What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 2023 edition of the Tomahawk Timeline. Yes, bringing this back after a couple years off. Um, didn't have the resources that I quite wanted to to be able to make this show work, but we're back this time around thanks to the Hardcore Sports Network and a bunch of other affiliations on YouTube. Um, I'm happy to bring this show back to you guys, and I thought no better time to start it than after the first series, which, of course, the Braves did get a big series win to start the year. It's been a long time since the Braves have started off on that foot. And we'll get more into it as we continue this show. So, yeah, the Braves currently off their opening series at the nation's capital, coming off a series win over their division rival, Washington Nationals, which, granted, the Braves definitely needed to take care of. Um, the Braves have always been notoriously slow starters. That's just how they are as a franchise. And um, the gauntlet that they faced in the month of April, schedule-wise, it was good to get the series win onto the books. But let's not waste any time We'll get into it, jump into our three games that have already been played out of 162, and that started off with opening day. And in that contest, the Braves were able to get a big 7-2 victory behind Travis Darno's 4-5 day with many uh, RBI entities through in the ninth with a big two-run double to give the Braves some insurance, and they went on to win that one by a final score again of 7-2. Another good takeaway to take away from that game is, you know, going into that afternoon, you know, right at the contract extension deadline until the summer months when you're allowed to do so again, Alex Anthopoulos lands yet another golden extension of Orlando Arcia. Not that he's going to be the shortstop full-time throughout the length of this contract, but just another great depth piece. And for the value, three years, 7.4 million was uh, really nice to see and came through with the first RBI of the 2023 Brave season, singling out a ball into right field, which would go on to score Michael Harris and the Braves would never give away the lead. Austin Riley in that contest had three at bats in the first four innings, all walking. So I think he was loving a not having to cover second base in the shift that often, but also saying, Hey, you know, an easy, easy day one of the season. So good to see that from Austin Riley's case. Bottom of the second, there was a little bit of issues. You could tell it was an opening day game. The Sunfield was really playing tricks with some of the gold glovers that the Braves have. A very good defense that we've had for many years since Ron Washington's got back to Atlanta. It's always a thing that the Braves think highly of, and they are a team that doesn't like to make errors because Ron and EY definitely give the players an earful. But on this play alone, there was a uh, sacrifice opportunity that came around to score off a throwing error where Michael Harris had a bullet. Skip off the very right side of the mound. You don't see physics working like that very often, but it would go on to make it a 3-1 to one ball game. I'm pretty sure that same inning alone, uh, Arcia and Ozzy had a miscommunication, letting a blooper drop behind them in between them and Harris in no man's land. A ball that I think will get caught in the next coming weeks, but uh, the break would limit the damage there. Going into the middle innings, there was a double play by the new man, the six-year, $73 million contract extension, Sean Murphy. So he is unfortunately not able to get his first RBI of the season, but he would not get another run. Atlanta would lead 4-1 for a couple innings before the 31-year-old, now sophomore season for Joey Manessis, singled in Victor Robles on a line drive. And that was all the national saw out of the scorebook. Of course, you know, Travis Arnaud with the big two-run double, as we spoke of earlier, and Arcia, um, getting him in via a sacrifice fly and a throwing error who had a you know terrible day. C.J. Abrams will get into his performance here in a minute. A player who I really like as a Blessed Trinity alum, uh, Georgia native. I'm rooting for that kid. We'll talk about him in a couple of minutes. Had a very rough day, made his third error, which would allow Travis to score from third. You'd see him walking home very swiftly. A lot of running on opening day for Travis Erno. But the final score of that ballgame, of course, was 7-2 with a Braves victory. The first time they had won an opening day since 2018. And 
Brent said a lot of things have changed in the Braves organization since 2018. Kelsey Winger was a sideline reporter. They were playing on Fox Sports South and not Bally. Uh, Rada Acuna Jr. was at the time a prospect. SunTrust Park was then called, or excuse me, Truist Park was then called SunTrust. And Nick Marcakis was the hero of the afternoon. So quite a lot has happened in that time since then. I think Julio Tehran was the opening day starter on that game. So it was good to see the Braves finally get off of that, I guess, curse you could say, and get an opening day dub. Uh, they out hit the Nationals by a final of 12-8. to 8. There were no home runs in that ballgame. We'll talk about that when we get to the second of the three matchups. Atlanta had two stolen bases to Washington's none. No one was really trying to test John Murphy on day one of the season, which I completely understand. Five errors between the two clubs. So yeah, you could definitely tell it was an opening day contest in that result. Pretty sure Patrick Corbin only won three innings and change of over 83 pitches. Um, the one positive I think he could take away is that he had Matt Olson looking... Little foolish. Uh, he has definitely looked uncomfortable in the first series from the lefty side of the plate. It's not that, not been that easy for Matt Olson to have success lefty lefty earlier in the season. So we do hope for that to not be a trend. Atlanta would get an opening day seven to two dub. The only negative headline to come out of this game was Max Free was pitching a gem. It was the bottom of the fourth inning in a cold day in DC. You know, after playing six weeks and change. In the Florida China, there might have been a little bit of tightness on a, a, a very average ground ball. Max Fried was covering the mound on a chopper hit to Matt Olson for the out. And again, he was pitching a gem, was getting guys ahead early, was getting the strikeouts. A guy who's not normally a strikeout pitcher was very low in the pitch count. So had the opportunity to go seven or eight innings at the pace he was working at. Did unfortunately have to come out of the game due to left hamstring discomfort. The Braves would label it as, and it does look like he is going to have an injury list stint here coming up in the next couple days. The Braves have up until his next start, which is scheduled to be the series finale in St. Louis. We'll talk about them at the end of the episode. And if the Braves do end up losing Max Freed for even a start or two, it makes me worry not because of Max Freed's health. I do understand the Braves are trying to take things as slow as possible. They are not wanting to take any chances of any nagging injuries, any length of time that he could be missing. But the point I'd be worried about is you're already down Soroka, of course, still. You're still down Kyle Wright for a, a, a chunk of the month of April. No reason to rush him back either. But now all of a sudden you lose Max Breed and you're having to go through St. Louis, San Diego, Philadelphia, and Houston all in this month of April with Elder, Schuster, and Dodd in your rotation. Could those guys be good in the future? Yes, but we don't know what they are exactly are able to do as at this point in time. And as a team who's trying to avoid yet another slow start, I think that might be an issue that comes to arise um, later this month. We'll just have to wait and see how those guys do. Hopefully they prove me wrong. But uh, that was all from opening day. Shout out to the bullpen, getting five and two-thirds of one-run ball. Uh, mostly the B guys. I know Max Free did go, or excuse me, A.J. Minter did go on to pitch that ninth inning because he was warm in Atlanta, did end up scoring three insurance runs. You had the off day afterwards. It just didn't make a lot of sense to sit him back down. But, you know, Jesse Chavez, um, Lucas Lecky. Kirby Yates. We had a couple guys come in there and get a couple shutdown innings on opening day. So the Braves bullpen, which has been a lot of funds have been put into it, let's just say by Alex Anthopoulos and Liberty Media, showed its muscle um, keeping the Braves in the game and getting an opening day W after Max Freed leaving after three and a third. So that's all from the opening day. Let's flash forward another 48 hours and talk about what happened. And day two of action, which was Spencer Strider versus Josiah Gray, two high strikeout caliber pitchers looking to put on a show and would actually be another 
W for the Braves here early in the season. First time the Atlanta Braves have started 2-0 since the 2015 season. And if you guys remember, that was the beginning of the end. Um, regarding that window, the Braves would sell off that summer, which would ultimately set up the super team that we have built as of now. But it was a very lightning start for Atlanta in this ballgame. Uh, Josiah Gray was not quite ready to pitch to the Atlanta Braves juggernaut lineup with Ronald Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson going back-to-back and four pitches to give Atlanta a 2-0 lead. And that was all Atlanta needed ultimately with a 7-1 final score. Trying to get my MLB com to finally pull up the box like I was looking at in the first original game. So here it here it finally is. So sorry about the delay. But yeah, Spencer Strider absolutely shoved. I believe it was eight or nine strikeouts over six scoreless. Had a couple walks in the third inning, third inning, but was able to get out of a jam courtesy of a can of corn. Hit to the rookie of the year, Michael Harris, the second. Um, and really just another strong showing from the Braves lineup. Arcia with another three-hit afternoon. You'd love to see that, being that we think he's ultimately going to be the starting shortstop for at least a couple months before the service time rollover for both Shoemake and Grissom, which would be around June 10th, June 11th. So you really need to see Arcia stay hot, make the picks when needed uh, throughout these first couple months, because I have a feeling the Braves aren't going to have Grissom or Shoemake up until the month of June, especially now that you still have Adrianza, and they brought back fan favorite Charlie Clutch Culberson on a... Triple A invite just a couple days ago after not making the Tampa Bay Rays roster, which I'm surprised he didn't, but that's a story for maybe another episode down the line. Again, looking at the scoring summary here, Atlanta would have back-to-back homers start the ball game. Azuna with his first home run, um, his second at-bat in the DH slot this year would end up being a moonshot into the left center field terrace, 430 feet, exit below of 109 off the bat would give Atlanta a 5-0 lead in the fourth inning. Of course, they had a couple slap singles in between the two homers. Matt Olson would ultimately have a two-home run day in the seventh inning. He hit a ball opposite field out to left center, would clear the wall just right of the Atlanta bullpen, and would put Atlanta up 7 to nothing. And Atlanta pitching was really just having their way after six scoreless from Spencer Strider. They turned it over to Nick Anderson and Lucas Letke to, uh, excuse me, not Lucas Lucky, Joe Jimenez, to get their feet wet, get their first opportunities in a Braves uniform. Two guys that I'm expecting to both have a great year out of the Atlanta bullpen, and they showed exactly why they made this opening day roster, putting up two scoreless in the seventh and the eighth, and handing the ball over to Kirby Yates, who didn't have the greatest spring, but you saw why Atlanta backloaded the contract for this year. They expected to get more out of him in this season more than last, and uh, Kirby did end up not being able to secure the sugout. Keeper Ruiz, who I think is a very great ball player, in his own right, hit a ball down the right field line up in that third deck on the terrace, and it went 407 for a no doubt home run. But other than that, that was all that was there for the Nationals in that afternoon. Atlanta would go on to a 2 0 start officially with a 7 1 victory, out hitting the Nationals 11 5 in that one, out homering their opposition of a 4 1 differential. And only leaving three guys on base. That is a very good sign that you are, A, dominating on the mound and making use of your runners in scoring position and hitting the long ball if necessary. But that is pretty much where the only positives of the series ended. Atlanta would go into game three of the season with 2020 first-round pick out of Wake Forest. Of course, Strider was the second-round pick out of Clemson. We saw what he was capable of last they handed it to the first rounder out of Wake Forest, Jared Schuster, the former Cape Cod legend, as they call him. Um, 
looking to make his MLB debut, the lefty would actually have a nightmare first inning, not being able to retire any of his first six batters that he would face. And the Nationals would jump a four spot on him earlier in today's ballgame as I'm recording this on the evening of April 2nd. And that was all that was needed for the Nationals ball club today, getting a four to one victory over the Atlanta Braves. Jared Schuster would then settle down and be able to go three and two thirds scoreless after the first inning was actually able to get the last three guys to be retired or not uh, retiring a single batter through the first six walked in two runs. So definitely some control issue. Jeff Francoeur made a great uh, quote today saying that a lot of times when he missed in spring training, especially with the slider, he missed down today. He was missing up in the zone. Didn't get a lot of swings and misses. So we did get two walks um, to come around and score for the nationals in that first inning. And they would jump ahead to a four, nothing lead. Travis Erno with the only run on today's scoreline for the Braves with a two out RBI single up the middle would bring Michael Harris around to score or excuse me. I'm, I'm, I think it was Ronald Acuna. And that was it from the scorecard. Atlanta would go on to lose 4-1, to one, but I will give my claps when needed to Michael Tonkin and Jesse Chavez, saving the bullpen for this upcoming St. Louis series with a 10-up, 10-down performance, 2 and 2 thirds scoreless for Michael Tonkin and Jesse Chavez, getting a 1-2-3 eighth inning as well. Good to see out of the home favorite, Jesse Chavez. And yeah, this game was actually a great one for Nationals prospect Mackenzie Gore, him and C.J. Abrams, of course, both coming over in the Juan Soto deal. Josiah Gray came over in that Max Scherzer deal. They haven't seen as much success from him yet, but Mackenzie Gore, I really do think, has the chances of being a really good pitcher in this league. And he shoved today for what it's worth. I think he won five and two-thirds of one-run ball, only allowed three or four guys to reach. Had a couple walks, but had three double plays in the first four innings, or the first five innings, and that was killer for the Braves. They were not able to hit at all with runners in scoring position today, left five men on base, and they would actually only allow four hits in tonight's ball game. The Nationals would go on to win four to one. And uh, we'll say, while Sean Murphy has not been able to tally his first hit in the two games he has played so far, he did throw out, I believe it was uh, Luis Garcia, still second in a bang-bang play. So that was really to see the least getting our money's worth. Um, early in the season, and that was definitely fun to see after what Contreras and Darno were not able to do a lot for last summer. But that was ultimately all that was in the writing for the Braves this ball game. They would go on to lose that one four to one. But hey, you can't win them all. Um, I do think Atlanta needs to bounce back in this next DC series and probably take a sweep, being that you only see these guys 13, 13 times a year and not 19. You would like to see a 10 and three and nine and four head to head, you know, record. You got to take advantage of every game when you, when you play in a division with the Mets and the Phillies and try to win every game you see against this club like DC, but you know, DC was fighting. They didn't want to get swept at home to start their season and props to him stealing a victory away from our five-time consecutive Eastern champion, Atlanta Braves. And uh, yeah, that was not the greatest showcase of what the Braves can do, but ultimately what comes up next is the St. Louis series, which starts tomorrow, Monday night. I believe it is Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves in that one. Let me see if I can pull up the official pitching matchup if my MLB.com website can move any slower. And um, that is, of course, Monday evening. They're there Monday through Wednesday, a, a, a series that's always really pl- well-played baseball um, between these two historic baseball clubs. 
St. Louis is actually also 2-1. and one. They lost opening day in a 10-9 route to the Blue Jays. Honestly, a very good opening series matchup, I think. Two, two clubs that I think are going to be playoff contenders this year. And two birds, for what it's worth. The Blue Jays and the Cardinals. It is going to be Atlanta will have Charlie Morton on the mound, and the Cardinals will be throwing out the right-hander by the last name of Woodford. I wish I could pull up his first name as of right now, but I do not have access to that. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a Chip Carey re- reunion, you know, this early in the season. That's going to be fun to see um, if there's anything that Bally does for him or if he has any kind words for us. I'm sure he will. But the one thing I'm worried about in this one, I know the Cardinals back into the rotation has some flaws to it, too, and that's the only reason people are thinking that they're not going to be able to run away with the National League Central like they did last year, being that the Cubs and the Brewers have an offense to maybe keep up with them if they face the right guy out of, the, out of that rotation. The Braves back into the rotation doesn't look great as of right now either. I already talked about it earlier, how Max Fried might be missing a start or two as the Braves are trying to make sure that there is no lingering issue with him throughout the course of the season. Kyle Wright is not going to be here until the end of April. You already brought in guys like Kobe Allard and Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson got shelled today in Gwinnett, so I don't know if he's going to ever be back at this rate. And of course, uh, Kobe Allard had a great start to spring training coming over in the Jayco to Rizzi deal. He, then, he ended up on the 60-day injured list after having a... Uh, oblique issue himself. So all of a sudden, the Braves starting pitching depth is already getting tested. You see it now with Elder, Schuster, and Dodd on the Major League roster. I would guarantee you that Elder will probably end up making that start for Max Freed on the series finale in D.C. So the Braves really need a good outing out of Charlie Morton, uh, the veteran who is coming back, it looks like, for another year. He's still enjoying what he's doing, that's for sure. I did not see a lot to believe that he is going to be a lot different from 2022 Charlie Morton in his innings in spring training. Yes, I know it's only a Small sample size, you can't take a lot from it. But in the major league batters that he did see, I still see a lot of the 0-2 curveball hit by pitches. I'm still seeing the walks. I'm still seeing the home runs kill him. And that was his issue last year. He could get you through six innings, but he might give up four runs. And ultimately, he had really crazy day-night splits last year. And I think a lot of the Braves' day-game issues aligned with a lot of the Ian Anderson, Jake Odorizzi, Charlie Morton starts. Um, And that was where Atlanta maybe had a lot of their issues lie. Uh, two birds with one stone. But this game is going to be a 7.45 ball game Eastern time. So maybe you do see a better outing out of Charlie Morton, being that it is a night game. Uh, the curveball hopefully is spinning to his liking, and hopefully there's not a lot of you know day gusts that are able to keep that ball in the ballpark for Charlie. And I do think the Braves probably go out and win this one. I do think they win the series two out of three. I'm going to go on a limb and say that. But... um. I don't think it's going to be a very pitcher-friendly series, if that were to make sense, being that the Cardinals are going to be pitching the back end of their weaker rotation as of this point in time. I'm sure they get Jack Flaherty back healthy. I'm sure that they're going to add guys over the the deadline over the course of the season like that ball club always does. And for Atlanta, throwing out Dodd and Schuster. And big opportunities against this very potent lineup. Charlie Morton, of course, has not been himself the last year or two coming off the broken leg as, as he continues to age. I think this is going to be a very fun series for the fans that love the home runs, the fans that love the doubles, the, fun, the fans that just love offense in general. I think we're going to see some high-scoring affairs, and I do think that the Braves bounce back and avenge their August series loss last year in the Lou and get a 2 out of 3 series win and move on for the home opener where they see another stack club in San Diego. And I'll be happy to bring it to you guys after this series concludes. So, yeah, I'm hoping the Braves come out, punch the Cardinals in the throat like they did last year in their seven uh, head-to-head matchups. And uh, we secure a second straight series win. But it's going to start with a Charlie Morton victory. Otherwise, it's going to be tough coming back and having a win two behind Bryce Elder 
and Dylan Dodd. But the Cardinals are a very good team. I could see them also being a World Series candidate, just like we have been the last couple of years, behind Nolan Arenado, behind Paul Goldschmidt, behind Wilson Contreras. They li- I like the young guys in that club. Nolan Gorman. Tommy Edmond, of course, is coming into a star in his own right. Brendan Donovan was a dog last year, finished third in the rookie of the year voting behind Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. Lars Newbar, Tyler O'Neill, you saw what they were capable of during the World Baseball Classic, the number one prospect in baseball in a lot of people's eyes, Jordan Walker. So that club's not going anywhere, and I'm, I'm very jealous of them to be able to play in the National League Central. Their biggest components, of course, are the, uh, the Brewers and the Cubs, and uh, those clubs are... What, 85, 86 wins on a good day um, if everything goes right for them in a season. So it'll be a fun matchup, that's for sure. I can't wait to bring it to you guys. I know I'll be watching just like all of you at home. And if you enjoyed this episode, the first one of the 2023 season of the Tomahawk Timeline, make sure you guys give it a like on whatever social platform you are viewing it on. I thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, let's go Braves. Let's go bounce back. And uh, let's continue our winning ways. Let's uh, let's have a good month of April for a change. Let's not fall behind in the division like we did last year. It'll take a lot of stress off of us on a day-to-day basis over a seven-month span. That does a lot <laughs> for uh, for us fans, that's for sure. But, yeah, you guys have a good night. I appreciate you for listening whenever, wherever. And, uh, yeah, let's go Braves.